Well, welcome to the Christianity and Culture Podcast. This evening, we are going to talk about a recent theology of the Butterworks. Uh, and we have done a series of podcasts in our Christianity and Culture series. And now is a good time to give you just a very quick reminder of what Theology of the Butterworks is. Here in St. Louis, Missouri, we have met at a local microbrewery for 15 and a half years. Um, that particular place is a, sort of a cultural hub for St. Louis, and our ministry decided to host discussions that were discussions not for Christians, but for everyone, especially for people outside the church, for people outside of faith. So every month we meet at a microbrewery, except for the last six months, we've met on Zoom, just like everybody else has. Uh, although we uh, are still meeting regularly, and the goal of our discussions is not to have a Christian discussion, but a discussion to which a Christian perspective can be wisely brought. That's the way I put it. I think it's very key because ultimately our ministry is the missional ministry of the Journey Church in St. Louis, Missouri. And our hope is that we can communicate one or more elements of the gospel and its truth and its beauty and its efficacy and its helpfulness uh, to people outside of the, um, the church. So that's the reason why we do our discussions. And then we do this podcast to do a quick uh, encapsulation and summary of kind of the Christian takeaways. This podcast being directed at Christians who might want some help in how to talk about important, lively topics to people outside of the faith um, and make it real, relevant, and helpful. So that's the general goal for this podcast. Tonight, me, my name is Bob Ash. I uh, help lead the uh, Theology of the Butterworks Ministry. The way I put it, tax attorney by day, Theology of the Butterworks Enthusiast by night. I have with me Kristen Williams, who is a critical neurologist by day and by night. As well Sometimes. as a theology <laughs> yeah. of the Bottle Works uh, enthusiast, I've mm -hmm. been with our ministry for 15 plus years. Kristen has been involved for 11, yeah. 12 years. Somewhere around there, yep. A long time, and we are going to have so much fun talking about our topic. Kristen, what are we talking about tonight? Yeah, so recently we talked about peace. Um, we had titled the session of Peace, Is It the Impossible Dream? Um, and it was just really fun. So like, Bob, why did we want to even talk about peace at, at Bottleworks? Because if you're a Christian, you follow the Prince of Peace and your, the way you live your life is in reflection of the peace that we had as humans in hope for the peace that we are going to have in the future. It's recognizing the peace that we have right now in our everyday lives. As I put it, when we were talking about this topic in preparation, it's like, this topic is only about everything. It's about all of life. It's about who we are as humans, where we come from, how we made, what our nature is, what our hopes and dreams are, what we're destined for, what's wrong with the world, what's right with the world, how are we going to get there? Peace is like the most Christianly topic that we can possibly talk about. And talking about that topic in a room full of about 40 people that night, two-thirds of whom were not Christians, was utterly fascinating. Yeah, no, it was really fun, and it felt really timely, too, because um, 
right now, especially here in the States, like it just peace feels antithetical to what we're seeing in culture, that whether it's the COVID crisis or the political landscape, that there's just not a lot of um, feelings of peace. Like kids are going back to school or not going back to school. A lot of people still don't have jobs or health. And um, so I thought it was really very poignant uh, for people. And, and what was really exciting for me is that a lot of people really were engaged with the conversation and we had a lot of uh, high participation rate, uh, which is always fun, fun to see. So um, yeah, and I think, you know, it was interesting even to just to start out a little bit about trying to talk about like, what is peace? And how do we, how do we think about peace? And how, what do we define peace, call peace? I don't know. What what do you remember being some of the key elements that people said? Mm -hmm. Well, people were so hungry to talk about it in amplification of your short list of the non-peacefulness of our current cultural moment. Uh, You mentioned COVID, isolation, loneliness. Um, The country, including St. Louis, Missouri, is fresh off a very long season or time of protesting and movements regarding civil rights and the Black Lives Matters movement, which regardless of your position on any of it is something that everybody knows about. Um, and the um, city across city in the country that's been there, we've had, again, at this point in time, wildfires. I keep calling them wildflowers. Wildfires raging more across. Peaceful. That would be more <laughs> peaceful. It's the inroad to uh, peace. Uh, In St. Louis and in many other cities, a combination of events, including um, the COVID and the preoccupation of the police with the other things that I've just mentioned, have violent crime rates higher than they have been in in St. Louis 25 years specifically. So all of these things, everybody just has a real feeling of unpeace, of unrest. So asking people what peace is, and especially I was hoping that we could get to kind of two levels of peace. One is sort of, let's call it external peace, you know, like the things that are happening around us and what is a peaceful world or a peaceful city or a peaceful situation. Uh, And then there's inner peace is what I would call it. You know, there could be all kinds of things going on around you, but you inside yourself, you might be at rest or not at rest, depending on a variety of circumstances. Once again, I think there are incredibly Christianly aspects about both of those sort of subsets of peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even thinking about as we um, uh, really dissected the topic and analyzed it throughout the night, that like you said, both the inner piece and the outer piece, um, and also just thinking about when is peace the presence of something and when is it the absence of something? And I thought that that was a real interesting point that some people brought up about peace um, in the political realm being like the peace talks or the peace agreements that it was like a proactive, tangible, um, aspect of things. And then other people were saying more so like, no, you know, peace really is more of the, um, lack of violence or by not having, uh, conflict. And both of these being more obviously on that external or outer, outer peace, uh, level of things. Um, and, you know, that is just something to really think about. And I, I thought it, you know, it really had me thinking of like, hmm, which is it? It's, and not even like, which is it, but kind of that peace is such a deep and complex topic. Like, when am I thinking about peace in the presence of something? 
And when am I thinking about it in the absence of something? Right, right. That was a very interesting part of the discussion that we had. It really honed in um, on the nature of what peace is and the sort of manifold layers that we can talk about when it comes to peace. Um, definitely, it was interesting that nobody's against peace. Pretty much everybody's for peace. Talk about something that is very hard to gain unanimity about almost anything. If you say, people, are you pro-peace? I mean, generally speaking, the answer is yes. Of course, sometimes righteous indignation, righteous anger, manifestations of, you know, are absolutely called for. And that's some of what we've seen over the last season in America. But definitely, people's hearts long for peace. Uh, the, the question helped hone into what I would say biblically from the, the world situation, like peace is something we've lost track of somewhere along the first few chapters of Genesis. Um, you know, ever since, I don't know if you call it an argument in the Garden of Eden, the conversations that happened there and the temptations, and then God calling out Adam and Eve not too uh, long later, there were a few children involved and, you know, one brother kills his other brother. We're talking in the very beginning of things all through the entire Old Testament, you know, read through the history and the judges, um, you know, the wars and the battles and the warrior kings and all these things are happening uh, all the way through the New Testament, the Roman Empire days. I mean, the world has had moments of peace. Of course, there's been lots of peace in lots of kinds of ways, but simultaneously, there has essentially never been external peace among humanity as long as there have been people, which is like an easy distillation of asking, well, why is that? We as humans are totally wicked and totally depraved. We're made that way by nature. So if we have sinful natures, we can't be completely at peace. We're always going to mess up. Yeah, no, that it is. It's um, this constant tension. Um, and I think it is interesting to um, think about other examples of <clears throat> even biblical peace of thinking about like, why is it um, that like Jesus says being the Prince of peace or that peace I give you, but not as the world gives. Um, right. And so like, what does that mean? How do we think about translating that? And particularly in a way that's um, like inviting and, and has, you know, like we said that everyone's for peace and yet not everybody follows the Prince of peace and kind of well, why is that? Um, and what other potential barriers that people see to peace? Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on kind of that, Bob? Of yeah. Asking people to identify barriers to peace was really interesting because that mm -hmm. totally gets into who we are and how we're made. And can anybody act in a way that's peaceful their entire lives? Anybody who's honest knows themselves and they have to say, why are we not peaceful? Because of me. That's what everybody ultimately, you know, the problem is me is what people really, it's pretty easy in the room for people to sort of have that element of confession because everybody knows they're not completely peaceful as human beings. Um, and yet that's what they long for. Um, you know, Christianly, we can have, as you mentioned, uh, you know, inner senses of peace. We can be at peace with ourselves. We can peace with God. You know, if you, another way to distill peace in two components is, you know, to say, uh, you know, sort of a horizontal piece with other humanities, um, you know, how we're doing it, living out the uh, love your neighbors yourself and one anothering. And then there's peace with God. It's kind of the vertical piece. Um, and the vertical piece, like being at peace with God and affirmed and loved and accepted and atoned for by God and his actions is what can give you an internal sense of peace while all the world is unpeaceful around you. I think elements of that came out in the discussion. Um, 
And I think that was really interesting to non-Christians who, you know, either have no hope at all that the world could ever be at peace, or they have sometimes kind of, you know, rosy, you know, late 60s hippie versions of it's, you know, peace, man, everything is going to be cool, you know, but it's more like a spoken wishful thinking than any utter thought there could be such a reality. Um, so, it becomes cliche, like the, you know, Miss America passions of what do you want? World peace. Everybody wants world peace and everybody almost laughs because everybody knows the, what world peace. I mean, but part of the Christian story is read Revelation, world peace. We're going to have it. You know, mm -hmm. in that day, someday we will have peace. So we have this sense of hope. At the same time, we have an acknowledgement that while we're in our world, in our cultural moment, while we're being Christians, living in, you know, Babylon, loving our city and working for its good, um, we're not going to be peaceful at the time, but we will actively be talking about and seeking peace. Uh, Christians, why don't we talk about peace more? This should be one of our major forces. Christians, hey. Christians and peace should be like, spoken together all the time that ought to be one of our just major agendas mm -hmm. and i think i think it was even someone who's not uh, professing to be a christian but just talked about more from a jewish heritage about the um concept of shalom of this uh pervasive all-encompassing peace that i i think as both um jews and christians reflect this ideal environment that we want to live in that it is as much as we joke about the cliche of world peace that when we think about um advancing the kingdom of god that it is spreading this shalom kind of the lion lays down with the lamb that we have um things are made right again and well we we do have that hope we ask people in the room do you have a hope for peace i mean that was an interesting part of the discussion something you can absolutely ask your non-christian friend you know do you have a hope for peace you know that's the first question do people have a sense of the hopefulness and we can affirm and share that with anybody because most people are going to have that most people are going to want it at an individual level at their job level at their family level at their community level, at their friendship circle level, basically at every social structure level, there's the opportunity and almost the um, uh, inevitability of unpeacefulness within those relationships, at least to some degrees. Uh, so people want that and just asking people, you know, both what their hopes are and then where do your hopes come from? I mean, that was to me started to take the discussion from sort of up here, diving into the foundations of where people were coming from. You talked about you know, a gentleman talking from a Jewish perspective, where, of course, shalom is a cherished element of Jewish spirituality, carries over to Christian spirituality all through the New Testament. Uh, just hearing people talk about where does your sense of peace, where does your hope for peace comes from? Um, you know, and some people give some answers like, you know, well, you know, education or, you know, economic opportunity. You know, there are absolutely, you know, worldly material things that people will look to and hope for, I think a part of our discussion was able to affirm that those are positive things and probably have led us to more peace than at most seasons in world history. And yet simultaneously, a Christian who was, you know, being a Mars Hill kind of Christian and just like speaking into the public square, there would say, yeah, things are a lot better, but you actually think like education and economic opportunity are going to restore all peace everywhere, all the time. Do you think that? 
And that should be an interesting discussion that happens after that. I know that was a bit of a leading question, but it gets to where does your sense of hope for a peace come from, you know, and what's your foundation for it, which gets to the level of, are we peaceful people, which Christian, we did talk about, you know, are people peaceful? Are we capable of peace? Are we, are we capable of peace? Are we capable of not peace? And why? That was definitely a rich part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, one of my favorite questions that you asked was, are we made for peace? Kind of made, designed, creative, evolved, like however you want to say that we got here, but is is our purpose for, for peace? Um, because that becomes really interesting that, you know, there's this, that C.S. Lewis quote of that we don't have longings for things that we're not supposed to have. Like we don't thirst. The, the reason that we thirst is because we're, we need water. There's a reason that we have hunger is because we need food. And so is this longing for peace reflective of, yes, this is what we are made for. This is a good and you know, natural, or for a Christian might think of a holy desire um, that we have that reflects and shows us who God is and what the life that we should be wanting for ourselves and others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were talking about that question, we were on zoom. So I see a bunch of little squares, you know, on my computer screen, but you know, I could almost see like the light bulbs going on all across my zoom screen. When people started to get, huh, are we made for peace? Where does our either peacefulness or our lack of peacefulness come from? And like, how does that work? Uh, yeah, I really thought that was a, a highlight part of the evening, which definitely gets to the very gist of who we are as humans. That's why this topic was all about everything, all about everything. Um, but that's the kind of question that you can ask a non-Christian. Uh, they're certainly not threatening whatsoever. Do you think we're made for peace? That's a great question, which leads to all kinds of discussions. And then just ask this, like we do with Theology of the Bottle Works. Somebody gives an answer, and you look at them and say, that's really interesting. Tell me why. Just affirming somebody's, no matter what their view is. Here, mm-hmm. Christians, here's a tip for you. When non-Christian says something that you don't believe or that you don't like or that just like really jars or resonates, what if you just looked at them like an image bearer of God and said, that's really interesting. Tell me about it. Instead of sometimes our initial reaction to anybody who says something that's you know not theologically correct or doesn't conform with my views or we can instinctively sort of lean back and lean away and a little wall can start to go up when it doesn't have to whatsoever. Just turn all that around and turn that into a lean in. I'm interested in who you are and what you think and where you're coming from and where your views come from. And I think that was an amazing part of this particular discussion that we really got to get down to people's uh, foundational values, uh, thoughts on humanity, society, and um, human relationships. Um, that It's amazing that we could talk about all these things in about an hour and a half in a discussion, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even just having that, I think, is another way that we can be peacemakers. Um, that because, again, particularly right now, it seems like people who have different opinions, um, it's just a rarity to have a respectful conversation, um, no matter what it's about. I think probably especially politics and religion right now. But really, I mean, it feels like almost any topic right now, if you people don't think similarly, that people get very easily offended. Um, And I don't think that reflects well on us as Christians when people feel like we have to defend our 
beliefs that not that we shouldn't always be ready to give an answer and have the discussion for it, but we need to do a lot more listening and a lot more of respecting that people in general are smart people that want to do the right thing and as a whole want for themselves and their society and their friends and hopefully the whole world to um, thrive and do well. And so to kind of show them that respect first, rather than trying to argue or shame them into a new position, because that just does not go well. Besides, we're supposed to, we're, we're called to be peacemakers. We're supposed to be, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, non-Christians, this is just my personal perception, that even people who don't know the Bible very well, many of them, most of them, know the phrase, judge not, or you'll be judged. And if they know another little snippet, blessed and peacemakers might be one of the top snippets that are known. And I thought the wake-up call here for Christians in the room was to think about how central to our faith that peacefulness and seeking peace is and reconciliation with others. You know, Christians can focus, spiritually speaking, on just, you know, being at peace with God. And certainly that is good, but, you know, we're called to peace with one another. You know, so many, I don't know, I, there's some numbers. Somebody counted up the one another's in the New Testament. You know, there's dozens and dozens and dozens. Other people matter. Uh, mm -hmm. And certainly non-Christians matter. And right, do are Christians, this is what I hope people, like the Christians in the room, came away from. At least one of the things, like, are we known for being people of peace? I mean, gee, do I think Christians have a reputation of people of peace? You know what? Unless they're Amish or unless they're Quakers, I'm going to say not in the circles that I know. That is not the reputation for Christians. It can be more, you know, protesting or, um, you know, uh, you know, arguing against views that are unchristianly, that are not seen to be good for the country. All those things are possibly true, but like, Again, we're supposed to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. That peace, peace doesn't mean, being peaceful doesn't mean you can't be a Christian and do all the things that we're called to do as Christians, which is a lot of stuff. Of course you could do all that. You can, you know, unless occasionally someone is called to like turn over the money changers tables, which I'm thinking is not my job to do. I'm not, I don't really think that I was called to do that. Occasionally maybe a table needs to be turned or a Martin Luther King needs to orchestrate a peaceful protest. But I think that we Christians could start to work on our reputation for loving peace, working for peace, being known as people of peace, and having an attitude of gentleness and respect with other people, especially people outside of the church, uh, and communicating the love that we're actually supposed to have for people outside the walls of the church. That would be awesome. I would love to see it if like that's what people thought of when they thought of Christians. Even like I'd go for top ten adjectives at this point. Right. So In, instead of instead of uh, Christians, what do people think about? You know, maybe maybe boycotts, maybe uh, sexual rights and politics, maybe marriage matters. Undoubtedly, abortion is going to be on this list of top. There, these are the things that Christians are thought of by non-Christians in American culture. Like, is peace on this list? That was five. We're not on the list yet, Kristen. No, and even those are things that seem to be not leading in a direction towards peace. Not that they couldn't ultimately get there, but the ways in which those have been recently discussed slash portrayed in the news 
mm-hmm. um, or not even just the news, right? Like even just talking with friends and other people about why they may not go to church or what they think about um, people of a Christian faith, that it is not known for our bending over backwards and striving for harmony. Mm-hmm. We're going to change it starting tonight. Everybody got that? Everybody in the room got that at Theology of the Bodyworks. Um, so- yeah, that was so cool about it, like having all these different perspectives and different people. And we had you know, quite a few of the people were people who have been regular, so we, we know them well. And so knowing all the different backgrounds and personal stories and experiences and even just walks of life um, and seeing how we again, don't, didn't all have the exact same thoughts on the topic and that peace wasn't, peace is not homogeneity of anything, um, that that doesn't have to be the definition of it, that we still had a lot of diversity of opinions, but we still were able to discuss them respectfully and to you know, agree that peace is something that we all want and long for um, and want to see more of in the world. Uh, agreed. So hopefully we turned up the light on that and just brought a sense of emphasis to it. Uh, we talked about what peace is, where it comes from, the different levels of it, what shapes our views on it, what obstacles to peace are. These are all things that were part of the discussion that can be easily part of a personal discussion that uh, we can have with a non-believer. Are we made for peace? We talked about what shapes your views on peace. Where do your hopes come from? What peace do you think is actually uh, attainable? I mean, certainly the Christian view is that you know shalom is on its way, that with the return of Christ that the lion will lie down with the lamb and that peace will be ushered in in its full sense and uh, there'll be no more crying tears or you know all the other senses of unrest and un- unpeace. I just made that word up. Sense of unpeace that we have in the world today, strife. Um, I mean, really, so my goals for the discussion were to help people, again, especially non-Christian, think about peace, to long for peace, to work for peace, to pray for peace. You could ask a non-Christian to pray for peace. It's not even a hard ask. Uh, To hope for peace, to think about what peace is and where it comes from and where it's going to go. Christians got to give some really good insights and some answers on peace and peacefulness. And all of this is non-sentimental, non-soundbite, non, you know, like 70s pop songs or 60s protests, anti-war songs, those sort of like what I would call, I mean, true longings for peace, but at a more sentimental, less authentic, less thorny, complicated, where we are in our cultural moment type of situation. So I'm hoping that all of those games, those were our grand goals for the discussion. That was a lot of goals for the discussion. Uh, Some of them were met. I'm quite sure some of them were met. We brought peace to the foreground and made people think about it. I thought it was a I thought it was a very compelling discussion. Kristen, what would be some of your closing thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I agree. And I think one of my favorite moments um, was when kind of, I think it was along the line, the discussion was somewhere in the topic of kind of like, what do we need for peace? Like what would lead us towards peace? Like, would it be a, a leader or whatnot? And someone had pulled uh, up an old sci-fi movie 
that they referenced, um, which is also something that we love to do find just like cultural references um, that are easily accessible to everybody. And in this sci-fi movie um, that I think, because I Googled it afterwards, I think it is called The Day the Earth Stood Still. I'll have to ask him next month. Um, but where he equated kind of us to being kind of like little kids and that we are just kind of like quivering and fighting and we just need a authority figure to come down and tell us to stop it. And that kind of in this movie, this wise alien comes down and essentially tells the world to stop it, (laughs) behave (laughs) and things get better. And I haven't seen the movie as a disclaimer. Um, but, and then one of the Christians in the room said, she's like, well, you know, that kind of did happen. We did have a wise alien from the heavenly realms come down and it was Jesus and we killed him. (laughs) It was remarkably because people were really resonating with those themes from the movie. And it's like, oh, this was the actual reality that we had in a world with the Christ incarnation and then his crucifixion. And it spoke a lot to people. It was a bit of a jaw dropper when somebody Mm -hmm. can, when a Christian could wisely bring a good cultural example and make it real uh, and speak into the room. That was, that was a highlight. That was good. That my, my encouragement at at the very end to people, there's so many ways to end a discussion on peace. And I was so determined not to end with a schmaltzy quote, or even a semi-schmaltzy quote, or even a heartfelt, sentimental quote that might feel really rosy. I didn't. I just thought none of that would be authentic or powerful enough. There is a quotation from Cornelius Plantica that uh, when summarized, because I'm not a very good quoter, when summarized says that when you smell the beautiful scent of a flower you can't see, you should follow that scent and see where it comes from. And that's what I think this this longing for peace does. This is our opportunity with non-Christians. It's like, the aroma of peace is very attractive and powerful. And people want like, where did that come from? Follow that. Go see where you can find the sources. I mean, that is hopefully what we did with this discussion uh, at Theology of the Bottle Works. And hopefully some Christians got some opportunity to manifest the gospel and some non-Christians got the opportunity to hear some elements of the gospel. I hope that's what happened. We turned uh, the results over to God and look forward to seeing what he does. So that might be, Kristen, is that the end of our discussion? I think so. Then I think we do get to say, Peace out. Peace out. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Christianity and Culture. For news about upcoming events and where we're meeting, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Theology at the Bottleworks.